if you have not already uh, gotten a hold of your copy of God's Word, go ahead and get that. And as you are getting your copy of God's Word, we are all going to be in 1 Samuel chapter 17 this morning. 1 Samuel chapter 17. Um, and most of you probably uh, know this uh, passage of Scripture, know this story. You probably read it many, many times. Um, and to be honest with you, this is not uh, the passage of Scripture that I had in mind to preach this week. Uh, but last week, uh, Sunday afternoon, um, I was thinking and praying about what's going on in our country right now, and this passage of Scripture popped into my mind. And as uh, I started to, uh, to study this passage of Scripture, uh, the Lord started to show me how this story ties directly into what we're going through as a country right now. And so with that in mind, um, I'm going to ask us to one, one more time to, um, to pray as we go into our time of Bible study. Lord Jesus, I just simply say thank you. Lord, thank you for loving us. Thank you for the chance that we have, Lord, to gather alone together. Lord, to be together online while we get to study your word. Lord, even though we are blocks, miles, even potentially counties apart, even states apart, Lord, we're unified because we know you, Jesus Christ, the author and perfecter of our faith. And so, Lord, I just simply ask that you bless this time as only you can, because we are studying and reading your word. And it's in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Well, real quickly, before we get into our message this morning, I just want to really to just say uh, two words, uh, and that is the first, thank you, uh, just in a big way, uh, to McConnell and Drew. Uh, for those of you who know my family, those are my two older sons, uh, and I just want to say thank you to them. Uh, they are running um, this, the, uh, the tech stuff this morning. And so, um, I, I'm grateful to them because otherwise you'd see me running back and forth and it would look really, really goofy, uh, trying to do all this. So thank you to them. Uh, and then also, uh, happy birthday to my wife. I'm not going to say how many years old she is, uh, but happy birthday, uh, to the mother of my children, to the wife of my youth. I still consider myself young and happy birthday, baby. Uh, I love you, and I hope it's a great one. So, um, obviously, we're streaming this online. Uh, our world, our, uh, literally, our world is going through a very, very crazy time right now. Uh, I would venture to say that we are in a battle right now. We are actively fighting the COVID-19 virus. And some of you may not even know what COVID-19 stands for. It stands for Coronavirus Disease 19. That's, that's the year that it essentially started. So coronavirus disease 19, COVID-19. Um, we are actively fighting this virus. And this is a virus we've never seen before uh, as a world. They're calling it a novel virus because it's the first time that this virus has ever happened. We've seen the flu virus. We've seen uh, the MERS and the SARS viruses, but we've not seen this virus before. And because of that, it is causing a lot of fear it's causing a lot of anxiety, uh, and I would, I would even say terror. Uh, and the reason why I say terror is because a lot of our grocery stores are still very, very uh, empty. And we're uh, rationing food. Uh, we're doing social distancing. We're doing things and we're seeing things that we have never uh, seen and done before. Now, from an, from an economic situation, uh, at least from my standpoint, this event feels a lot like 9-11. Uh, if you will remember back to September 11th, 2001, uh, the day that the Twin Towers and the Pentagon 
were attacked. This event feels uh, a great deal similar to me. And, and from an from an economic standpoint, um, it is it is I would say even a bigger deal. Um, and so as a result of that, many of us feel like we're facing a giant. Uh, we are facing somebody who is big. He is armored, uh, and we feel like a kid going into battle with a BB gun. We don't feel prepared. We don't feel like we ourselves have armor. We don't feel like we are protected. And our scripture today is going to show us that there is a battle that goes on. And for those of you who, who don't know the, the context to the scripture, Israel is facing the Philistines. They are facing a massive foe. They are facing a foe uh, in the Philistines that essentially has unlimited resources because the Philistines were very close to one of their cities, whereas Israel wasn't. Israel was a great distance away uh, from their main city, which was Jerusalem. And they're fighting and going to see a gigantic foe today, and a guy named Goliath, who we'll talk about in just a minute. And nobody in the story is willing to stare down this massive giant and to take him on. When we get to that point in the story, we'll see that. But guys and gals, I believe that we can take heart. I believe that as a result of this story, which I believe was a, was a very real story, this really did happen. I believe that we are going to see three reasons to remember, as you have hopefully seen in the title uh, of the online stream, that the battle is not ours to win. We're going to see three reasons why the battle is not ours to win. And the first one is seen in verses uh, 1 through 30 of chapter 17. And the first reason that the battle is not ours to win is this. Man's size means absolutely nothing in God's eyes. Man's size means absolutely nothing in God's eyes. Now, I've already mentioned that we have two armies. We have the Philistines on one side of a valley where they're gathered. There is a dry riverbed in the middle of them, and they're gathered on two hills. And you have the Philistines on one side, and you have the Israelites on the other side. The Philistines are at Sukkot, as we see in verse 1. And then the Israelites are camped on the opposite side. And they have a giant. And they have a giant that the Philistines have seen many, many times, but Israelites have never seen before. They have a giant named Goliath of Gath. And to put this in perspective, think Thanos. Now, um, for those of you who have no idea what Thanos is, hopefully Thanos will be on your screen momentarily, but think Thanos. Thanos was the bad guy in the Marvel comic universe and their final two um, Avengers movies. You had Infinity War and Endgame, and in both of those movies, Thanos is this gigant, giant of a man. And according to Marvel comic universe, Thanos is eight feet tall. Well, to put this in perspective, Goliath was nine feet, nine inches tall, okay? So take Thanos, this big, gigantic man of eight feet tall, which is a foot taller than many of our wrestlers. He's, eight, he's nine foot, nine inches tall. He's layered in battle gear. So think Thanos, but at nine feet, nine inches tall. Now, to put that in perspective, this white speaker that's in front of we, I don't know if you can see it or not, he would be just under this white speaker. So he's nine feet, nine inches tall, and his armor, that is his, his, just his breastplate and his thighs and his, um, his shin guards, 
the stuff that he puts on that's not his his uh, sword and his shield, just his armor alone weighs 126 pounds. That's one and a half of McConnell to put you in perspective. So the next time you see McConnell, think McConnell plus half. And that's how much that, uh, um, Goliath's armor weighs. And then you have his shield. And Goliath has two shields. Goliath has kind of his his pre-battle shield, and then he has another guy that actually carries his shield for him that goes in front of him. And that shield was as big as a normal man. I'm six feet tall. So think of a, of a shield that's as big as I am. You have Goliath, who's nine feet, nine inches tall, and he has grown up fighting. He is the champion of champions. He would be the ultimate UFC fighter. It says here that he has a bronze helmet in verse 5. He has scale armor. He has bronze greaves on his legs, which were his shin guards. He has a javelin that he can throw without any problems. He is big. And he goes out into the middle of that valley every day for 40 days. And he taunts them. And he says this, I defy the ranks of Israel this day. This is verse 10. I defy the ranks of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. And verse 11 says, When Saul, this is King Saul, when Saul and all of Israel heard these words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and terribly afraid. They were frightened. And then David enters the picture. Now David at this point had been anointed king by Samuel. But he is still the youngest son of Jesse. So he is going back and forth between his brothers who are in battle and his family home. He's taking them supplies. He's um, paying the chief commander um, some wages to help him battle and pay for what he needs. He's going back and forth between tending his sheep and his brothers. But then one morning, something is different. Verse 20 says, So David arose early in the morning and left the flock with the keeper and took the supplies and went to Jesse as commanded him. And he came to the circle of the camp while the army was going out in battle array shouting the war cry. So you see David coming up as the Israel army, the Israeli army is coming up to the front lines to be with the Philistines and to face Goliath. And Goliath at this point has been doing this for 40 days and 40 nights. But then it says this, that they ran. Verse 24, when all the men of Israel saw the man, Goliath, they fled from him and were greatly afraid. The men of Israel said, have you not seen this man who is coming up? Surely he is coming up to defy Israel. And it will be that the king will enrich the man who gives him, who kills him with great riches and who will give him his daughter and make his father's house free in Israel. That means no more taxes. So, David is coming up. The Israelites are running from Goliath. And as they're running from Goliath, David's coming into battle. And he's looking around at these Israelites and going, "What? Hey, guys, what's going on here? And the Israelites are like, have you not seen Gigantor out there? It, big boy, nine foot nine. Have you not seen him? He, he's huge. We don't want to fight him. We're terrified of him. But if somebody were to go fight him, this is what would happen. They would be rich, they'd get to marry the king's daughter, and their family would be tax-free forever. Now the irony of this is the Israelites were not just one man. The Israelites were an army. 
They had won many battles before. Think of the book of Joshua. But yet they're allowing one man, one man, to cause them fear. Yes, he's big, but he's just one man. He still bleeds like the rest of them. And they're running from him in terror. They are losing confidence, not only in themselves, but in God. Because as of yet, they don't see that God has shown up. Guys, I believe that we are in a, um, in a situation that is just like this. We're seeing something that we've never seen before, just like Israel had never seen Goliath before. We're seeing COVID-19. As I mentioned earlier, it's a novel virus. Even though we've seen the flu, even though we can cure cancer, we have never seen this before. We have the best medicine in the world, and as of yet, we have not been able to come up with a vaccine. And we're letting a microscopic virus scare us to death. It's, it's scaring us so bad that we're raiding the stores of toilet paper and paper towels. They're rationing the food we have. Kate told me this week that she went up to Dollar General, or Mad Butcher, I'm sorry, and they're rationing the beef there. You can only get three, uh, three auto, uh, items of beef. Yes, we're scared. As of Wednesday, the number that I saw was 54,453 people in the U.S. had been confirmed with COVID. But we have to remember this, that the number that have actually died from it, the number um, that have uh, uh, passed away, gone into eternity, is 737. Now, that's a Wednesday. I know that the number is higher today, but that's a Wednesday. Yes, there's a large number of people being infected by it, but it's a small number that are dying from it. And many of the folks, if you look at the research, many of the folks had prior health concerns that made the potency of the virus that much bigger. If you know, in Arkansas, I believe as of last night, there were over 400 confirmed uh, people that had, uh, had, had the virus, um, but only 40 people had been hospitalized from it. That's about 10%. We have a virus that's big that we've never seen before, and we're terrified of it. We don't know what to do. And I think in many cases, it's because we might have just taken our eyes off of God. And God is using this to get our attention. And as we're going to see in a minute, if we put our faith and trust and our wisdom in the Lord Jesus Christ, we're going to come out stronger. And that brings us to the second reason why we should remember that the battle is not ours to win. See, not only should we remember that man's size means absolutely nothing in God's eyes. I mean, after all, he anointed David, who was a teenager. But we must also remember that in battle, God has given us a mission. And we must stick to what we know. When we are on a mission for God, stick to what we know. David continues to inquire about Goliath. If you were to go through verses 26 and forward, he continues to ask about Goliath. And what's interesting is he's not asking for a material reason. He's asking because he's mad that Goliath has taunted God. In verse, excuse me, verse 26, at the end of verse 26, it says this, for this uncircum, for who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should taunt the armies of the living God. Now, if you'll remember, the reason why he's saying that is the Philistines served multiple gods, but obviously they were all false gods. They were dead. David's looking at this guy and saying, he serves gods that are dead and gone. I serve a living God. 
what is going to happen to this guy? And he keeps asking around. And in fact, in the process of asking around in verses 28 to 31, his brothers find out that he's asking. And his brothers are like, look, really? Like, you're, you're an idiot. Uh, in fact, um, one of his brothers actually says that he's wickedness and uh, wicked. In verse 28, El- Eliab says, um, you have left, or it says, I know your insolence and the wickedness of your heart, for you have come down in order to see the battles. So basically, he's accusing David of saying, you're wicked. You just want to come down here and see what happens. You don't really care about us. You just want to see us lose. And everybody gangs up on David. And in the process, David says, whoa, 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 look, man, I just asked a question. Back off, slow your roll. I just want to know what's going to happen to him. Like, who's going to fight him? Now, the interesting thing is that Saul was present, and Saul is the king. So Saul should have been actually taking Goliath on. And that gets us into kind of our next section Saul hears what's going on. Saul hears that David is inquiring about Goliath, and he says, bring this kid in here. And David says to Saul, don't let anybody be afraid. I will fight him. In fact, in verse 32, he says, let no man's heart fail on account of Goliath, on account of him. Your servant will go and fight this Philistine. And they have a back and forth conversation. And essentially what it boils down to is Saul says, man, you're, you're a punk. You're a little kid. You've not been fighting for very long. I mean, you're a shepherd. This guy, Gigantor over there, Goliath, he's been fighting since he was your age. And he's a champion. You don't stand a chance against him. And David's response is, look, I'm a shepherd. When a lion or when a bear came up on me and they took one of my sheep, I went after them. I rescued my sheep from that lion or bear. And not only did I rescue that sheep or that lion, that that sheep from the lion or the bear, but I killed that lion or that bear. And I love the way he says he killed it. He did not use an arrow. He didn't use a sword. He didn't use um, his staff. It says here, Verse 35, I went out after him and I attacked him and I rescued it from his mouth. And when he rose up against me, I seized him by his beard and I struck him and killed him. And then David gets some guts because he says in verse 36, your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them since he has taunted the armies of the living God. In baseball, that's called calling the play. It would be as if Babe Ruth steps up to the plate and says, the ball's going to go there. Pow. And Saul's like, well, fine. If you're really, if you, if, if you insist on going out there and fighting that guy, you're going to put my armor on. Which again is ironic because you have the current king putting on the future king's armor. And David puts the armor on and he tries to walk around a little bit and he's like, man, this just it's Saul, king, sir, I can't do this. This doesn't fit me. I'm not comfortable in it. I just can't do it. And he takes it off. And then it says this. In verse 39. It says, David David girded his sword over his armor and tried to walk, for he had not tested them. So David said to Saul, I can't go with these, for I have not tested them. And David took them off. Then he does this. He took his stick in his hand, shepherd's staff, 
And he chose for himself five smooth stones from a brook. And he put them in the shepherd's bag, which we had, even in his pouch, and his sling was in his hand. And he approached the Philistine. David takes off the armor. He goes over. I imagine he kind of steps outside the tent. He kind of searches around. And he picks up five stones. Now, the word here in the Hebrew for the, for the word stones isn't like an itty-bitty pebble. That word basically means a rock. So, a baseball-sized rock. But notice it says it's smooth. Smooth stone. He picks it up from the brook. He puts it in his bag. So he uses what he knows. And he, he picks out the choicest ones that he knows will work in this battle. And he puts them into his bag. He takes what he knows with him. In this world, there are so many churches that are trying to attract people in so many ways. Some try to attract people with flashing lights and fog machines and lasers going in every direction and they turn down the lights and they make it like a concert. And they crank the music up loud. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that if it's about Jesus. But if you fill people up with warm and fuzzies and then you send them out the door, all they've been is entertained. Various churches try different things in their services. But guys, I'm going to tell you one thing that works, has always worked, works now, and is going to continue to work. And that is this, the preaching of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and evangelizing the world. And right about now, James Boston would say, amen. So somebody online, type amen for me. <laughs> See, just as David tried on somebody else's armor and it wouldn't work for him, he put on Saul's armor and he's like, man, I can't do this. I haven't tested it. I'm not comfortable with this. This isn't going to work. We, as a church, need to do what works. We need to preach the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ to people that are lost, lead them to Jesus, let them be saved so they can impact the world where they are for the nations. But how do we do this? I mean, why should we as a church stick to what we know instead of trying somebody else's methods? Why, why not try to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, but then also try to add some, some flavor to things? Well, verse 47 says this. And that all this assembly may know that the Lord does not deliver by sword or by spear, what both Saul and Goliath faced David with. For the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hand. Do you catch that? The battle is the Lord's. And that's the third reason that we need to remember that the battle is not ours to win. Verses 41 through 47, David walks out of... Um, Saul's tent picks up the stones and he heads toward Goliath into battle. He walks down one side of the valley. He walks down to that dry riverbed where Goliath is and he faces him. And in verse 42 and 43, we see Goliath's reaction and he's indignant. When the Philistine looked and saw David, he disdained him. What? For he was a youth. He was like, I can't believe it. There's an enemy, a teenager. Really? 
Come on, Israel, you don't have anything better than this. The Philistine said to David in verse 43, Am I a dog that you would come to me with a stick? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. So Goliath looks at David coming with his shepherd, and he's like, Am I a dog? Are you going to throw your stick at me, and I'm going to go play fetch with you? Really? That's what this battle is going to be all about? I can't believe you're doing this. And he starts cursing David by his false gods. And look at David's reaction. In fact, before that, Goliath even says, you know what? When this day is over with, I'm going to feed you to the birds and the beasts. They're going to gnaw in your flesh. A little bit of smack talk going on here. And David's like, all right, well, if you say that I'm a dog and you say you're going to feed me to the, the beasts and the birds, check this out. Verse 45, then David said to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword and a spear and a javelin, these weapons, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have taunted. This day, David's calling his shots again. This day, the Lord will deliver you up into my hands and I will strike you down and remove your head from you. And I will give the, hit, give the dead bodies of the army of the Philistines this day to the birds of the sky and the wild beasts of the earth that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. He takes Goliath's smack talk and he raises it. He says, okay, you say that I'm coming to you with a stick and we're going to play fetch and you're going to feed me to the critters? And you're going to curse me by your gods? Oh, yeah, buddy? Well, I got something better for you. Yeah, You've got on this armor, but I got one better. I come to you in the name of the Lord of, of, the, of the armies of God, of the Lord of the hosts. I come to you in the name of the one who created everything. And in fact, not only do I come to you in his name, but I'm going to feed not only you, but I'm going to feed your entire army to everybody. You say you're just going to feed me to the, to the beasts? No, 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 no. I'm going to feed you and your army to creation. And the reason I'm going to do it is so that everybody on this planet will know that God is real. Can I get an amen online? David is mad. And David has said that he's going to do two things. He's going to take Goliath and he's going to cut off his head. And then he says, oh, by the way, the Philistine army is going to die as well. Right? Goliath's original taunt was aimed just at David. David comes back and says, oh, yeah, well, I'm going to cut your head off. <laughs> and then your army is going to get fed to everybody. He's telling Goliath exactly what he's going to do. We need to remember, my fellow Christians, that we are indeed in a battle, but we also need to remember this, that we are God's sons and daughters. It tells us that in Galatians chapter 5. God is on our side. We have nothing to fear. A friend of mine once told me this, that fear is false evidence appearing real. You know what that tells me? That tells me we need a reality check. We need to realize that, yes, there's this virus out there. And, yes, it's crazy. And, yes, sometimes we may feel like the end of the world is coming. But we need to realize that God himself is on the throne. He has been on the throne. He's going to stay on the throne. And this too shall pass. 
Psalm 91 verse 2 says this, I will say to the Lord, my refuge my and my fortress, my God in whom I trust, God has my back. Even if I was to get sick and die, that's okay because the Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. I'm okay with dying. I don't think I'm going to die as a result of the virus. But for us as Christians, it's a win-win. If we die, we go to be with Jesus. If we stay here, we get to tell people all about what God has done in our lives. We get to tell people, hey, let me tell you about my faith. Let me tell you about what God has done to me. And that brings me to my final point. Don't, don't hang out. Don't, don't, don't check out just yet. Don't say, okay, Brother John's done. Click. Hang with me for just a few more minutes. The last reason that we see about the battle. When others see God's victory in my life, it will give them strength. When others see God's victory in my life, it will give them strength. In verses 50 through 54, we hear about the final outcome. And in kind of a little bit of irony, it's an incredibly short battle. David and Goliath start running at each other. David reaches into his bag, takes out a stone, puts it in his sling. I imagine that he's running and he's slinging that sling at the same time. And he sees Goliath and he's like, okay. And he's close enough and he lets it go. And that baseball goes flying through the air at probably 100 miles an hour plus and nails Goliath right in the forehead. And in fact, it says that it fell, he fell so hard. It hit him so hard. It says it sank into his forehead. It didn't just say it went bonk and fell. David threw it so hard that that stone crushed his skull and Goliath fell down dead. In verse 50, thus David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone, and he struck the Philistine and killed him. But there was no sword in David's hand. And the point there is David used what he knew. So he runs over to Goliath. He stands over the Philistine, and he took the sword and drew it out of its sheath and killed him and cut his head off with it. When the Philistines saw, get this, that, the, that their champion was dead, they fled. So I get this image of David's done. He watches Goliath fall and he walks over to Goliath and he looks at Goliath and he's like, okay, I don't have a sword. And he reaches over and grabs the sword, which remember David's a teenager. So the sword's probably as big as David is. So David, I don't think is one arm in this thing. He reaches over and he grabs this beast of a sword and he stands on Goliath. I'm not going to do it right now. And he, chops Goliath's head off. And when he does that, the Philistines see it and they're terrified because they're like, oh my goodness, he's dead and a teenager just killed him and it didn't take long. And they run. It says they flee. Now, what's interesting here is if you were to go back to the beginning of this battle, that's exactly what the Israelites were doing. They see this big guy coming out, and they're like uh, Macaulay Culkin in Home Alone. Ah! And they're like, we got to run. And they take off because they're terrified. Well, the same thing happens here with the Philistines. They see Goliath. And what happened to him? And they take off because they're terrified. 
But here is where we, where we get fun. Remember, the point was, when others see God's victory in my life, it will give them strength. Look at this. Verse 52, The men of Israel and Judah arose and shouted and pursued the Philistines as far as the valley and to the gates of Ekron. And the slain Philistines lay along the way to Sha'arim, even to Gath and Ekron. The sons of Israel returned from chasing the Philistines and plundered their camps. Verse 54, Then David took the Philistines' head, brought it to Jerusalem, but he put his weapons, Goliath's weapons, in his tent. Now, why is that interesting? Well, here's what's interesting. The men of Israel didn't just chase the Philistines a hundred yards and kill them. They essentially chased them back to almost their hometowns. If you'll notice, it says they chased them back even to Gath, which is where Goliath was from. So they're chasing them back to their hometowns. And when they're done, the Israelites are like, yeah. And they're, they're walking back. I kind of get, I kind of get this uh, impression in my mind that there's a little bit of Phyllis, a little bit of Israelite swagger going on because they're like, yeah, that's right. David beat him and we helped clean up. And they walk back and along the way, they're, they're picking up this plunder, which is the good stuff left over from more. And when David's, when, when David sees them, he walks over to the Goliath, to, to the Goliath, to Goliath. And he picks up this man's head. And i got to imagine, if this guy's nine foot nine, Goliath's head's like the size of a basketball. And he's probably got some long hair. So David picks up Goliath's head, and he's like, whoo. Maybe he said, he's ugly. Who knows? And grabs Goliath's head, takes it back to Jerusalem. And I imagine he kind of like stuck it on a pole. And then he has Goliath's weapons and his armor, and he takes it and he puts it back in his tent. Why in the world do that? Well, think about this. If a shepherd boy takes a nine-foot-nine man's head and puts it in the capital city, and this man represents the Philistines, which to the Israelites were the biggest baddest army there was and Goliath has their head and he puts it on a stake for all of Jerusalem to see that's going to encourage them and say this is what happens when somebody fights in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ but why Goliath's weapons in the verse 54 but he put his weapons in his tent I think David did it for two reasons. One, he wanted a trophy. After all, he is a teenager. And he was a warrior. First Samuel 16, 8 tells us that. But I also think he did it to remind himself. I beat this guy. The Lord gave me the strength that I needed to beat this guy. And I beat him so that everybody would know that God is the king of all. I didn't just beat him just to beat him. I beat him so that, as verse 46 says, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Guys, when all of this COVID-19 ends, when, all, when, it, when we return to our new sense of normal, that is going to lead the way for gospel conversations. 
that is going to lead the way for us at gas stations to say, hey, man, how is your life impacted by COVID-19? What changes did you have to make? Were you afraid that you might die from it? Can I tell you about why you shouldn't be scared of death? It will open up gospel conversations. We will have the chance to encourage people. Yes, is our country going through an incredibly tough time? There is. But you know what's funny? As a result of this virus, right now, there are more churches live streaming than they have done before. As a result of this virus, it is, it is almost certain that the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ is going out into all the world, literally because of the internet. And it's all happening because of a little virus. Yes, when we get done, we'll have a new sense of normal. But when we get done, we'll be able to say, do you know Jesus? Were you ever, ever at all afraid during this time? But in order to have that confidence, in order to be able to say, I'm not afraid, we have to know somebody. We have to know the Lord Jesus, just as David did. If you'll notice, David knew Jesus because he says, I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel. He knew Jesus. Now, I'm not going to give a formal invitation today like I normally would. But if you're not a Christian today and you're watching, maybe you grew up in church. I don't know, obviously. But you would like to know the Lord Jesus Christ. I would like to give you a chance to know him. And so right now, where you are, if you want to know Jesus, if you want to become a Christian, if you want to have your sins paid for and have a relationship with Jesus, close your eyes and just simply say something like this. Dear Jesus, I know I'm a sinner and that you died on the cross to pay for my sins and were raised from the dead to give me eternal life. I call on you to save me, and I trust in you as my Lord. When all of this ends, we will obviously start having services again in person. If you're looking for a church home, we and I would love to have you here at First Baptist Clarendon. Until we meet again, let me close this in a word of prayer, and we'll be dismissed. Lord, thank you that we had the privilege to do this today. Lord, thank you for letting the computers work, the internet stay up and running. Lord, thank you for Facebook that provided the way for us to stream. Lord, this week, even though we may be cooped up in our houses and may not have normal work schedules and life may not be normal, Lord, help us this week to draw closer to you so that when all this gets done, we can draw closer to others. Jesus, we love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.